Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello, everyone. My name is Umar Hamid. I'm your host on the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategy, and advice on how you can become better, stronger, faster. Just before we get started, I've got a question for you. Do you have a negative voice inside your head? We all do, right? I'm going to help you remove that voice in under 30 days guaranteed. Not only remove it, but transform it. So instead of the voice that sabotages you, there's one that propels you to much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the No Limit Selling Podcast. Today, we're going all the way out to Minneapolis to talk to Cynthia and Kirby. They are a husband and wife team that uh, run a team. And so happy you guys are on the program. Yes. And thank you for having us. And just to clarify, it is Christina and Kirby. Oh, Christina, my mistake. No problem at all. Thank you for having us. Brilliant. So, uh, Christina, from your point of view, uh, if you were putting your finger on the pulse of the market right now on a scale of one to 10, where do you think it is? Then we'll ask Kirby where he thinks it is. Well, I mean, you're asking us on February 2nd, which the answer might have been different in December. Yeah, um, right now, February 2nd, uh, 2023. Yeah, I think it's going to be an amazing year. So, um, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be amazing for every agent but I think or every seller. But I think the people that have the right mindset and the right strategies, it's going to be great. Um, so, you know, for example, for our team in January, we ended up getting 50 accepted offers. So, Yeah which is an amazing pace. And it's actually our best January ever, even beating um, 2021, which was an insane year for everybody um, in the market because it had been pushed back from the pandemic. Um, so we feel really, you know, what we're observing is there's a, a trend towards a slightly, just slightly more balanced, healthier market, mm -hmm. even though it's still very much of a seller's market. Um, but sellers are not in the same position they were in 2021 and early 2022, where it was, you know, everything handed on a platter to them within 24 hours of listing or one weekend, you know, so it's a little bit keeping, it's, it's starting to keep prices more real. Um, and, you know, we're right now in the middle of the game of affordability for buyers, which is kind of what's capped out prices with the interest rates rising. So, so, so your finger on the pulse, one to 10, what score would you give it? Uh, and what, what am I rating it towards? Uh, how good do you think the market is right now? Well, I think it's good for sellers and for buyers in general, and I have reasons for that. But I'd say it's at least at an eight. Eight. And yeah. how about for you, Kirby? Uh, so we last year we did about 695 transactions. And in January of last year, I think we wrote 48 uh, accepted offers, both on the buy and the sell side. And, and in January of this year, we did 50. So... We're pacing ahead of last year already, which is cool. Which is brilliant. So here's the interesting thing. There were a lot of people uh, uh, around the country, uh, November, December, that were not looking like this was going to be a good year coming up. And that probably impacted the way they performed in those months, which uh, leads to a weaker January. What did you guys do for yourselves and your team to basically keep everybody focused on the prize and focused on the activities so that, you know, you have this spectacular best ever January for you guys. You know, we, we did a lot of intentional things. Uh, we are, we're big believers in, in what you, what you train your mind to think and your activity, they're going to impact uh, how you feel and also your, your results in your future. So we did a lot of internal trainings with our leadership, with us, um, with our agents. Um, and we also had special speakers come, for example, 
the head trainer of ones in Byerly's grocery store, which is at least, I don't know if it's, it's at least a local um, higher end grocery store here. Um, and he, he did a training with us and a whole exercise around um, roaring back from the recession was kind of mm. the thing that we had. And so what we've really focused on is how do we make every client and every lead that we interact with become a raving fan? Yeah. How do we, you know, we have three uniques that we live out as a team. We're proactive. We care about our clients and we're experts. So we spend a lot of time saying, okay, how do we help our clients? How do we make sure that our clients experience this? Um, and the way that we gauge the results is through Google five-star reviews, which we have 722 as of yesterday. And by the number of referrals and raving fans and repeat people that we get, right? Um, we are we do buy leads and, and all of that, but our goal is to make everybody be a raving fan. So I think that's we did a lot of those things, and we've done a lot of call challenges just to be simple and straight up, like getting making a lot of raw rhyme fun around the behaviors that work, which is you have to talk to human beings to get them to work with you and sell or buy a home with you. Brilliant. And uh, so, what are your roles here, Kirby, for you and Christina? What do you do? What does Christina do really well? Like, how do you guys blend uh, the leadership? Yeah. So uh, my role, I, I'm kind of like, um, well, we work off of the EOS model. So visionary integrator is kind of the, the EOS terms, uh, entrepreneurial operating system, traction, Gino Wickman. That's been um, something that we've used since 2014 um, to run our, our, maybe even longer, but it's been a long time or maybe it was 2016. I can't remember off the top of my head, but we've been using traction for a while. And uh, so I do the visionary stuff and then I help a little bit with marketing. Um, and then, you know, uh, we have a couple other businesses too that we, uh, we've built. And so I'm running those predominantly, uh, Christina helps lead the team as the integrator. So that's kind of been our, our yin and yang. I I'm kind of ideas guy and some big picture networking and, and Christina is really the, um, the executor leader. Yep. I say also Kirby's kind of the systems guy, systems reporting, tracking, and I do the, a lot of the people side, the um, ensuring there's a culture and an execution towards a business plan and people's goals and that accountability. Um, although a lot of the, the majority of our accountability now is through our different sales managers and sales director. Brilliant. So uh, why don't we talk uh, about uh, how to build a really good culture in your organization? Because ultimately, at the end of the day, it's the culture that uh, carries the day because it informs the thoughts, behaviors, and actions of everyone because they want to uh, align with the culture you've built. So why don't we start about uh, what would be the uh, seven essentials of building a great culture? And uh, who'd like to take Number one, like what's one of the things we need to do to build a great culture in a real estate team? I'd say the first thing is be clear on your core values, live them out, celebrate them and move people out of your company that don't have them or don't live up to them after you've talked to them. So how do you go about finding what those core values are? Because you know that's something a lot of people talk about, but how did you guys go and really figure out what's the most important values for you? You want to speak into that, Curb? Well, Part of the U.S. process is you really kind of think about your key people, the people that are um, the quote unquote, the the right people in the right seats. And so that process is really identifying what are the, the common denominators for those key people? And then how do you personally, how do we personally align? Because attract, you attract who you are in a lot of ways. And so we've really tried to, to focus on that and, and 
being the type of people that, that we think we are um, has helped attract the right people into the organization. And um, the other thing is just ruthlessly protecting the culture. Like if there's a, one of our core values is be humble. And if there's an egocentric person on the team, whether they're, they can sell a bunch of homes or not, we are, are definitely um, removing that person fairly quickly from the organization because we just don't like that. We can't, we can't deal with that. We don't want it. Um, and so that's a huge one. Grow and learn, positive attitude, never problems, only solutions, and uh, be a hustler. Go along with the be humble. So those are our five. Um, another, another great book that we read that kind of complemented what we were already doing. It was uh, The Ideal Team Player by Patrick Lencioni, and that's a good book mm. to, to read um, if, if uh, people are struggling with their core values because those he, he talks about three for the ideal team player, which is hungry, humble, smart, um, and those three core values are kind of in line with what we have, plus we added a couple others that we felt were important. So, yeah. Please, Christina, you were about to say? I'm just, I was just going to make one, one comment. I think um, if – if somebody's thinking about how do they identify them, I think you have to really be honest with yourself and work with others and ask them about it. Like, what do they really see in you? But then there's a difference between aspirational values and who you really are. And some of the values that people come up with are just kind of like meaningless. Like yep. for me, integrity is permission to play. Like it doesn't have to stand as a core value because it's just permission to play in real estate. If you're not going to have integrity, there's no space here, right? I don't need you to have it written down. Or some people want it to be, you know, something like most excellent service, but the, the way they deliver service is really like, I just want to get the job done. That's mm -hmm. not, the, that's an aspirational value, but not actually your core value. Your core value would be, I get it done no matter what or something. Right. So, so I think adding to that, and you guys have probably done this is very much figuring out the criteria you guys use to validate what you're doing. So a good example would be, let's say great uh, raving fans. So it's like, okay, that's great. And the question that I ask is how will you know uh, you're doing the service that gives you raving fans, what would you be able to see, hear, or physically touch? Then someone has to think about it. Oh, we would see the five-star reviews. Uh, they would refer us. They would actually call us and tell us how valuable that was. And so getting that criteria really helps the troops realize, oh, because we all have a different understanding of what the word means to us. But the question is, what does it mean to the organization so we all align? Yeah. So that was number one, which is core values. What's number two? Um, I think it's li like living out what you're preaching as a team, right? Like, and I don't think it means that like Kirby and I as the business owners and leaders need to be the number one rainmakers. That's actually not helpful for the company because then you don't have the attention and the focus, right? But we do live out, like we're, we're in the office every day, like today, right? People see us, we are um, fully focused, we execute, we communicate the way that we expect. We train people to do that. Like we're really big believers in email management, always respond, don't, right? Because otherwise you're not proactive and you're not going to get a raving fan. Um, so I think it's in it, our leaders do that. They show up, they're consistent. And most like our sales managers and a lot of our leadership, they are, they do actively sell real estate as well. Yep. Um, and so, and I like to sell just a little bit each year so I can keep a pulse on the market from a personal standpoint, but not, be, not for the goals of selling, but more just because I like to experience like the different changes in the market and how it's feeling. Um, but I think it's kind of like, do what you preach. Like nothing's more annoying than, um, somebody that says you should do blah, 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 but you've never done it or you're unwilling to do it. Right. Yep. Like Kirby and I've worn every single hat in our real estate business as we were building it up. So um, I, I actively still train my team on how to prospect and how to convert in scripts 
it's a gift I have, but it's a gift because I did tens of thousands of phone calls. You bled for it, yeah. Yeah, you know, and I got coaching and everything. Um, and I, I still actually love it. So even though I don't do it personally myself as like an active part of my job. Yeah, and I think that's a, a spot on. You need to walk your talk. And uh, also as your uh, charges, the agents, the admin folks, uh, one of the things that we recommend is very much, you know, when they live true to a value, that we recognize that and really uh, collect those stories because the values, quote unquote, not that important, but the story around what Janet did to do that, that's become so informative. This is one of our values. Let me just tell you about Janet. This is what she did last week. And people go, oh my God, I get that. That's brilliant. Yes. So, yeah, we do that in our team meetings very frequently. And it's something we've had to train ourselves to do. I, you know, Kirby and I by nature are not celebrators. We're like, move on to the next thing and let's get right. crush another goal. So it's something we've honestly had to get coaching on and feedback from our team. But now as part of our team and as part of our like agendas, we're very intentional to do that. And my team will tell me, hey, you need to call this person and tell them good job on signing your first listing with the team or something. So now we have a lot of like things in place that help us to recognize and celebrate our people because like I just have to admit, it's not naturally what Kirby and I are great at. But now as a culture and as a company, um, we have that because like if you ask what is the third thing, I say like you have to have a, at least for us personally, fun and a celebration and enjoyment, mm. like be happy to show up. Like Kirby and I, you know, we always talk about, and Kirby, maybe you want to speak into this, but we want to help people thrive, right? Yep. And Kirby, what do you always say at our team, every single team quarterly? Well, I mean, I, I basically say if, if, um, if you're not uh, happy here, if you're not thriving, we would love for you to reach out to us and have a conversation about how we can help you find a different company or a different role. Because if you're not thriving, you don't need to show up 40 hours a week and hate your job. That's just absolutely not cool. We want the best for you. And if the best for you is some other team or some other business or some other role or retirement, then we want that. We want to help you get there. So. Yeah. And I think we, you know, it's reflected in that the people that are here and stay here love being here. Right. They're, you know, pro proponents of the team. They want people to join our team and they're like sunshine in the office and to our clients and to each other. <laughs> and that's what the culture becomes, right? One of the uh, metaphors I like using very much is uh, going back to elementary school where uh, the teacher put down a, a bar magnet on the table put a white piece of paper on top of it and then sprinkled iron filings and they fell on the paper and they moved to the lines of flux where the magnetic lines were. And in that example, your culture is the magnet underneath. The iron filings are the behaviors and the attitudes of your employees and the paper is the company or the team. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes when you don't have the right culture, what happens is we go in and we say, now we're going to start doing this and you basically have to move an iron filing and move it to the place you want. But as soon as you let it go, the old culture just makes it go back to where it was. And that's why what you guys are describing, building this amazing culture of people that are having fun, walking their talk, living up to the core values, creating raving fans, creates those magnetic lines of flux. So when people that don't conform to it, they feel weird. <laughs> this is not for me. And they don't belong. Yeah. Well, totally. yeah, let us help you exit. Yes, yeah. Absolutely. But people that love it, I bet, basically go, holy shit, I found home. That's exactly right. And that's what we want. I want to scare them away or have them love being here. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. So what would be another uh, element to this? I to think build for us personally and for our company, we believe a lot in giving back and being others focused. And I think it goes back to our core value of being humble. Mm. Um, so we, we give back a lot to charity. We have several charities that we're involved in. 
and maybe this is like two, two components to the culture. One is charity and the other one is client appreciation events, which is a huge thing that helps with culture, like not just within our internal team, but with our all our raving fans. We have about 700 people that come to our events. They pick up a free pizza from us or a, a pie at Thanksgiving, um, right. a big barbecue at the you know local baseball team, the Saints game, and, and they love it. And it's so fun and they rave about us. But we always tie our events to a charity. So it's an, an additional incentive for them to come and participate. So we're going to make a donation on your behalf. So we, we support highly Feed My Starving Children um, and an organization in Eastern Congo. I used to work in Africa in, in Congo. And so there's a we sponsor university scholarships there because it's a great way to transform the poverty there. But I think that, again, when you talk about culture, this is just our culture. Some cultures are who's got the fanciest car and who's driving the flashiest right. thing. And I mean, Kirby and I are boring when it comes to that. You're not going to find a lot that's flashy about us like that, but we are going to really care about charity, about giving back and about remembering that our life here on earth is about contributing to others. Like when we die, nobody's going to be like, wow, I had the fanciest car. That's not what you're going to be proud about. No, nothing wrong with them. Right. But like when, when we die, I want to be like, okay, did I live my life? Well, did, I, did we contribute back? Did we help others grow and thrive? Um, beyond our immediate circle of the agents and our and our clients, like we can give more beyond that. So Kirby, uh, yeah. Yeah, you guys are uh, have I'm going to say two companies. I know you got more than that. You know, one is the real estate business, but the other one is this, you know, uh, relationship that you guys are in marriage. How do you balance to and make sure that uh, all the effort doesn't go into the work side? Because you know, there's lots of thought to make sure that stays true. How do you stay true to your own core values as a couple and make sure there's still, uh, you know, romance and love and it doesn't take a back seat to everything else? Um, yeah. So date nights obviously is important. We, we try to do that every Thursday night. Uh, with each other? Out. Yeah. That was a joke. Yeah. yeah no. With each other. Yeah, definitely. Not new people. Uh, we we don't said have it before we ever had kids, but it's vital to yeah, keep vital. it. Otherwise, I mean, you don't get it. Mm. Yeah, and trying to shelf that. And honestly, like just full transparency, we've we've spent a lot of money on marriage counseling just trying to get better. I mean, we are huge believers in coaching and that translates right over into our marriage. And so um, we've spent, you know, we're currently in it, uh, not because we're struggling, but because we want to get better. I mean, our, our marriage is actually really healthy, but we just want to make sure that we continue to get better and better and better over the years and not just like, you know, fall into the same old, same old and um, you know, and from an it's emotional so easy to do. What's that? It's so easy to do oh, to get yeah. into complacency. Absolutely. So that's our, our counselor, Amy, she's, you know, Mondays, uh, Mondays at 9am. That's like the first meeting of our week, basically to go up there and, you know, hit the emotional hot buttons and talk through stuff and cry sometimes and work on our past. And, you know, we just keep pushing into it and that makes us better as a, uh, as a couple and, and obviously hopefully better business leaders because we're in business together. Two things there that was kind of that was interesting to me. Uh, one is great leaders have transparency. Hey, yep. we're doing this, and whereas a lot of people tend to hide whatever they want to hide. And the second thing is, you know, really making the effort to uh, to always be improving and always learning. And I think uh, two hallmarks of uh, greatness. Yep. Uh, before we part company today, I'm going to ask each one of you, uh, Christina, you first. What's the best advice you've uh, ever gotten in real estate? Best advice, oh man, I've gotten so much. I, I wish I wish should have thought about that one earlier. Um, that comes to mind. I think um, just always 
like always get back to people, always communicate, be, be quick to be prompt, be proactive. Like I think that concept, I can't think of one distinct person that told it to me, but I think I learned it a lot over time from a lot of people. Um, but if you're consistently showing up in marketing, if you're consistently communicating, if you're consistently doing that, like people don't forget you're in real estate and they trust you because you're dependable, right? It's the, the yeah. come and go and come and go. Sometimes call back, sometimes don't, but they lose trust. Um, so I think that early on, that's just something that Kirby and I adopted that has been great for our business. And I'm thankful for the people or ways in which I've learned it. Oh, brilliant. Kirby, for you, what was the best advice in real estate you've gotten? Um, I think one, like from a sales perspective, uh, because this is the yeah. sales, sales focused pod, podcast. Um, one of our early coaches, Mike Reese, uh, he said listings, whether it's buyers or sellers, if you have listings, uh, people that work with you, they have babies. And he, he reminded us that every time you're at the closing table, that that buyer or seller is walking out of the closing with a minimum $25,000 suitcase of money. And they're walking out of that. And that, that lifetime value is their referrals, their repeat clients. And, you know, I've never forgot that. That was early in our career. Um, but he's, you know, he said, if you guys can think about building a lifetime value uh, for your clients and making sure that you have a solid sphere of influence campaign, you're never going to be broke. And that's what we've done. I mean, we could literally stop all the new marketing and we'd sell like last year, for example, in the 695 sales, um, 400, about 400 of those sales, 350 were, were sphere of influence and past clients. And so, you know, the fact that we just keep doing that and keep adding new people to the funnel uh, with the cold marketing and then making sure that we're taking care of them with our events and our past client marketing is, I mean, that's the secret sauce, man. It's never changed. never will really? be. So. And the thing I like about uh, what your coach shared with you is like, you know, lifetime value of a client is kind of an etheric concept. They're walking out of the closing with $25,000 in a suitcase. That just kind of brings it right home. It's like, holy yeah. crap, that's, that's real. Yeah. So before we part company, uh, Christina, any question for me? Um, no, I mean, tell us a little bit more about your podcast or who, who's the main listeners. Yeah, so the uh, podcast is designed to do uh, two things. One is give advice to uh, team leaders and also agents because sometimes they can get the same piece of advice that they've been ignoring for a long time. And Christina says it in just the way that is attuned to their hearing and they go, oh, oh my God, that's totally genius. And their manager's like, I've been telling you that for 10 years. But so that, getting people to get something they can use right away. And my highest value is uh, learning new things. Actually, in my uh, statement, it's like learning cool shit. And uh, my criteria for that is, number one, I get excited. Yeah. Uh, number two, there's some uh, idea in my head and this new data point that you gave me lets me create a new concept altogether and where I can connect different things. Yeah. So, yeah, I do it for two reasons. One, to help agents and team leaders. And two, very selfish so I can learn stuff too. And as we've been talking, I've been taking some notes on my iPad on some of the advice you guys are giving because uh, that is wickedly cool. Uh, thanks guys for being on the show. It was a really enjoyable conversation and uh, I love the balance between you guys know where your lanes are and uh, are you're super connected to make uh, not only this business work, but uh, the world in a better place, uh, be a better place. So thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for inviting me. Appreciate the opportunity to be on. Brilliant. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free 
mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming and that is the fastest way to get better results.